welcome back to the beginning of what's looking like to be a killer season of the Barrel Horse Life podcast. About a year ago, I was watching a certain TV show, and I heard the comment, Oh, she's a barrel racer? Several times, and I'm not going to lie, it pissed me off. Now, I get it, I get it. It's a TV show, and TV has to have drama to have good ratings. But I quickly realized that this is how a lot of non-horse people view barrel racing people. It's implying that we're ditzy, we're annoying, we're stupid, we're stubborn. Well, they maybe have the stubborn part right, but moral of this discussion is I wanted to be able to highlight how proud we are of all of the hard work that we do. How great it feels to be able to load up after a hard week of working and hit the road with our horses. I wanted to highlight some of the things that we say like, run your horse, not your mouth. So I started a store called the Barrel Horse Life Store. It's unlike any other website. You get to go online, pick the style of shirt you want, or hoodie, or sweatshirt. You get to pick your own color, size, and then it's shipped directly to your front door. There's men's, women's, and even some really cool kids stuff too. Need a custom order? No problem. Just let me know. I can do it at no extra charge. Head on over to thebarrelhorselife.store. That's www.thebarrelhorselife.store. Kicking off Season 3 with one of the best fraternity trainers of our time. He's won more money and races than Google can find. And not to mention he's trained and jockeyed some of the most talented barrel horses. And some that have even gone on to win rounds at the NFR. He makes it all look so easy and that's how you know he's really good at it. I'm Amy Davenport and this is the Barrel Horse Life Podcast. Today's episode, Dakota Ray Monk. Are you frustrated searching for products for your horse that end up just sitting in the tack room or just don't work? Since 2014, Draw It Out has been helping horses and humans. They sell the best products to draw out inflammation, heat, and they're 100% safe to use. It's gentle on your horse's skin, yet tough on swelling and soreness. It can be left on for long periods of time without burning and without blistering. I won't haul anywhere without the spray concentrate. Once I tried their products, I wonder how I ever lived without them. Oh yeah, the first time I used the ice bath shampoo, I was totally hooked. It was so simple, and my horses smelled amazing. I like that I can use the gel under the saddle pad and splint boots. From the CBD-infused gel to the Breathe to Run South, it is pretty safe to say that Draw It Out products are not only owner-approved, but horse-approved as well. From the round pen to the barrel pen, our choice is Draw It Out. Shop now at LonePrairiePHS.com and use discount code AMY10. Again, that's LonePrairiePHS.com. Today on the podcast, we have Dakota Monk. So Dakota, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I'll let you start off by telling us all about yourself and a little bit about your background. Well, thank you for having me. I've grown up riding horses since my mom could throw us on and we could hang on. We would, we had a old horse, well, he was not old then, he was only two then, but he was really good and she could just throw us on bareback, all three of us, and we would just ride him around the house, and he would come to the porch, and we would all get off, and he would come back for his treat or whatever we had there on the porch, and we'd all jump back on him <laughs> and take it from the house, and like that's just kind of where we started. We we had saddles, but if we wanted to ride, we usually just ran, uh, rode bareback because we couldn't saddle ourselves, and my mom was busy. So she was like, mm-hmm. if you don't want to ride, you just ride bareback. Yeah. And that's, you know, a lot of what made us uh, really good riders. And I still try to go back to riding bareback if I feel like I'm not riding very great. Grew up doing that, just riding. And she would take us to play days. We did a drill team. And then when I was 12, coming 13, uh, we moved in. Uh, next door, there was a cutting trainer. And... Uh, I went over there. My mom took me over there and asked if I could start working and cleaning stalls and just riding, warming up horses, and he let me. 
So I stayed there for a year and a half or two, I believe. And we started showing. And then when I was going to shows, some other trainers was asking me to come work for them. So I did. Mm-hmm. Um, did that until 2017. Um, I worked for Lee Francois and um, Pat Crawford. Showed a bunch and loved it. Um, I really wanted to pursue that but at the time it was just real political in the cutting industry and hard mm-hmm. to kind of get started on your own so mm-hmm. I went back home and started taking outside horses for myself barrel horses and then I guess not 2019 I got my own place and my barn just stayed pretty much full all the time uh, so I just stayed with the barrel stuff and uh, he's little nubbins shorty he's still running with a little girl now was my first maturity horse mm-hmm. in 2014 i believe mm-hmm. you're good with dates <laughs> yeah hopefully hopefully i'm, I'm terrible uh, with dates so like, you're on a roll just keep going yeah <laughs> and um he placed at some and it was really fun so i was hooked then as far as maturity horses and from then on i just that was my goal was just to always maturity and I kind of got addicted to that. So I really started watching and trying to learn and just kind of took off from there. <laughs> it, it, it becomes an addiction pretty quickly. I know whenever yeah. I first got into the horse industry, I heard the word maturity and I didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> so, right. you know, and it's still kind of a gray area. I think one of these days I'm eventually going to have somebody on to explain maturities from top to bottom exactly what everything is. Not only for me, but for everybody else as well. But so what right. made you want to get into the fraternity world versus just just horse training in general, I guess? I mean, I loved and I still do love getting open horses and problem horses or whatever mm-hmm. and fixing them and going on with them. But I just I'm I get too attached and the short term uh, monthly tune-ups or month by month uh just didn't really do well for me mentally (laughs) maturity it's kind of a long-term thing and a lot of the owners know that coming into it obviously Mm -hmm. they're not going to make uh either four-year-olds and we hold them for five or they're just not going to make a maturity horse period then obviously we have other plans for them but um you know i was trying to look out for my you know for myself too as far as having a job and having income maturity horses just really take care of you as far as uh financial if you know as long as you do your job and you know take care of those horses um so that's what kind of like you know business wise that's what intrigued me to do that instead of just kind of staying with the open horses and it's just more of a business i say like training open horses and tuning others it's it can i mean it can be a full-time job for sure but it's not very like you don't know that you're going to have that horse for you know you could fix it in 30 days or you could fix it in four months or you know but that that job security um, isn't there with the open horses no and there's not a lot of money in it either you know no one wants to pay you a bunch of money to fix a problem and then as soon as they see you fix it and win on that horse they want to take it home and run it and right. you know longer than just because I'm doing good on it doesn't mean you're going to do good on it because they're probably going to go right back to their old habits with the old owner or rather it's somebody else that bought it so it just I don't know I just it's just a little bit more professional and just a little bit different and the paturity stuff versus the open so yep i get it so (laughs) we'll go back recently at the bfa i have been following you on social media for quite a while now and i felt like you had a whole crew of horses at the bfa (laughs) this year how many did you take uh we took 16 i ran 15 my sister went um and i know those numbers sound huge to everybody but you know, when you have a bunch of three-year-olds coming up, you already had um, four or five uh, fraternity horses for the year. And then I had my derby horses. So they all had to run there. And, you know, okay. some of that was going to be their last maturity. Yeah. 
and they'll either go home or we've sold them. Um, and then the derby horses kind of come and go. Um, so it, it kind of thins back out after Oklahoma City, which is next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I start getting all the two-year-olds in for 2024, I think. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it just kind of a revealing, like, just roller coaster all the time. But um, I've always enjoyed big numbers uh, running that many, uh, whether it was just at a jackpot or a super show. I, I get really bored running just two or three. So, I mean, yes, it was a lot. It was, it was a lot at the VFA, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, it, I it, it looks like, I mean, it looks like you had a few that pulled some really nice checks and landed in the average and you had quite a few that made the short go as well. Yeah. I was really proud of my maturity horses. Um, they both made it back and then they both placed in the finals. Um, my derby horse would have made it back, uh, but we pulled a barrel over uh, in the short go. So that was kind of whatever. And then I got some juvie checks. I didn't ride real great on my juvie horses. I was kind of just playing myself on my juvie babies, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah. I happened to be watching it live when you came and you were riding, I think it was Fortunate Son. Is that uh, is that a fraternity yeah. horse or which I don't know which okay and you came flying in so fast I had my butt puckered so tight I thought how are you staying in that saddle and you snapped your shoulder around and bam you can't and it was a perfect run I mean it was flawless I thought and that was the moment literally that was the moment for me I thought okay I'm gonna have him on the podcast I that that was my moment I was so blown away by that yeah fortunate son's been really fun and challenging at the same time all year he um we've always called him baby huey he's probably 16 hands i bet oh geez. or i really know he is but um he wants to turn like a little horse too though and but he's also like he's super talented but he's baby huey so i i have to put the pressure to him because if i don't he wants to think around and you know, not be serious, but sometimes mm-hmm. if it's too much pressure, he can't handle it. And so he kind of like just overreacts or whatever. And it's just sometimes just not that great, but he always seems to come through when it really matters. Like it's so weird. Like he did really good at, um, Fort Smith match the finals there. And then he's done good all year, just a little off and on. But, and then again, he's really stepped it up at the BFA. So it's been fun. He's definitely my style, like a really hard turner. And all I got to do is try to get myself around the barrel and he'll get around the barrel on his own. <laughs> mm-hmm. You have uh, a mare that luck lost and pixie dust mare, which yeah. I have to say, whoever made her name just needs <laughs> to make names for everybody. It's the most badass name. It's super fun. It's so satisfying to say when you say it out loud. But I uh, know it's. It's funny when when I first heard it, I was like, "Oh my God, someone's gonna call my name out on this word." But <laughs> now it's like it doesn't bother me. It's super cool. Yeah, and it loves it, so I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty cool. Well, tell us a little bit about her and how you're training. I mean, you guys you guys have been putting the winter circle together a lot. So tell yeah. us how you've been training on her and how that's been working for you. She's been super easy. I'm. Uh, she's also. A, five-year-old fraternity horse and I just I'm really um I'm just super pro five-year-old fraternity horses um I just like I feel like I can really push one and I feel confident pushing one when they're uh running as a five-year-old and my gray mare was five and she's five and I have a couple for this year that are four gonna run as five and they're just so much more mature and I'm just so pro five-year-olds, but obviously if there's a a reason or they're super mature, I don't mind running them as three-year-olds or four-year-olds, but they'll run when they're three in November. But Mm -hmm. anyways, back to Pixie. Um, She's just been super fun. Like it, she's also like had surgery um, on her throat. Um, She had to be off again because she got pneumonia when she went home for a little break um like but she's been like this since she was a baby 
the girl that raised her, she uh, ran through a wall. And um, the only reason my owner has her is because they wasn't, I don't know if they necessarily were going to put her down, but they didn't really want to. I don't know. I don't want to say too much, but uh, my owner ended up with her and doctored her all up. And, you know, she looked like obviously she ran through a wall (laughs) and she was scraped up from a head to a toe or she broke her nose. And um, so she's a fighter, no doubt. (laughs) Um, And then so she hasn't even ran, got to run all year and she's done really well. Um, And that's another reason, like, you know, because I think it's a lot because she's five, like she didn't have to run all year because she was hurt. And so when I did have her, like she was right back to where we went off, started, uh, left off at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if I would have, if that would have happened with a four-year-old, it would took me, you know, a couple runs to get her back where she was. And, I just, it's just easier on them if they do get injured or something does come up that, you know, that can just bounce right back. But she's been super fun. She has a cool style to her. Um, She's super sweet. She's very, uh, I don't know, she's kind of borderline, like, demanding, but then really sweet. Like, it's really weird. Kind of like a Sour Uh, Patch Kid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's because she's so strong-willed because, you know, she's had to fight through life a couple times. <laughs> Sometimes it makes a mare more resilient. It, I don't want to say that it's that typical mare attitude, but, yeah, there's just something about mares that yeah, sometimes they, they, whenever they, ha- they go through shit in life, yeah. it, it, it makes them more gritty. It really does. I yeah. mean, truly. I mean, yeah. I guess that's for geldings, too. But there's just something special about a mare that has that has that background behind them. No doubt. Yeah. I love them yeah. a lot. <laughs> Pretty cool. So I want to talk about, um, and I don't know if you still have the horse because I haven't seen you post the last couple of weeks, but you have a, a mare called Slick Talking Lady. She's mm-hmm. incredible. Like, <laughs> incredible. I don't know if the owner is ever wanting to sell them. If they do, I'll have to sell everything <laughs> I own in order to own her. But I want to be first dibs. Tell me about her. She's really cool. Um, and no, the owner actually owns two really nice horses, the one that my sister runs, and then this mare. She's uh, got two incredible mares. And we've actually, like, because we knew it was going to happen, we were trying to find owners for them where they could, you know, go to the right homes instead of the first person with the money kind of deal, because I know how this works. And... You know, I was like, can you please let me just place them in the, the right homes? And she's like, they're not for sale. And I'm like, for real? <laughs> Everything's like, for sale in the horse for- industry, really? No. Like, oh. And I was like, for no amount. And she's like, no. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so as of now, no, they're not for sale. But anyways, she's amazing. I didn't train her. My brother trained her. And um, Jessica, Jessica started her on the barrels. Um and sorry, I don't remember her last name, but mm-hmm. she started on barrels and then my brother got her a couple of months before his first maturity and he did pretty good on her all year. And then the owner took her back, asked me to take her and derby on her. So I did and I'm glad I did because I was kind of didn't really have room or time for it, but I did and it was a good decision. Uh, we, I fit her really well. I switched her to the left and She's just super consistent and loves her job and really fun. Like, she's just fun. Yeah. How old of a horse is she now? But she's sick. No, she's five. Yeah, she's five. So is she in her maturity or is she in her derby year then? She's derby. Yeah, good. So you still have her or who's running from now then? No, I still have her. um, Kind of like up in the air, like. I'll run her at this at the Oklahoma City at the Derby next week, and then um, just keep derbying her, and we might uh, do a qualifier or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I just saw on social media that you ran and won an American qualifier. Is that right? Um, no, not oh, no. on her. Okay, not on her, but on a different horse though. And um, 
But you have so many horses, I'm so confused. Just correct me. I, just just take over, right. Dakota. Just tell me what's You're going good. on. <laughs> You're good. Um, the plan is to uh, try to get her qualified for the American and just keep derbying her and get her, you know, where she's ready to rodeo and the owner's ready to rodeo on her. Cool. Um, so that's her plan, and we'll pull some embryos as well along the way. I'm super excited about that. Ooh, nice. I think great producer because obviously your mom is so Mm -hmm. um and then the other horse that i kind of wanted to talk about because he kind of gets left out a lot is booty ray yeah Um, so i didn't know how to pronounce his name i thought that was it which is all also the coolest name yes it's it's fun he uh he's he Won fifty thousand in cutting first and got too big. Like he's fifteen three, two or three. I don't know. But he's a monster for a dore. Mm-hmm. And um, he, I literally got him from the same clients that owned uh, Famous Lemon Drop. They owned mm-hmm. him at the time, and I had him for like two weeks, and I was just trotting him and loping him through the barrels, and he literally acted like he had been through them. So I call him. It's like two weeks into it. And I'm like, have y'all ever took him through the barrels? And they're like, no. I was like, you're lying. And they're like, no, I promise. And so you, where y'all got him from, has he ever been on the barrels? I go, oh, no, they would never take him through the barrels, which was the cutting trainer. Mm-hmm. And oh, I yeah, was cutting, like, well, cutting trainers do not like- do barrels ever. No. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, I've started planting cutters on the barrels. I know they're easy to start on the barrels, but he literally just, like, did his lead change and just, like, just knew that's what he was made to do ever like he's been a challenge but at the same time so easy and fun uh i guess our latest win was at Cowtown. he was second uh at the cowgirl gathering with a 13-1 and cassie mallory on cp uh ran a 13-0 wow and it was really fun my reins actually flipped over on the wrong side Oh, geez. And, yeah, and he, we just finished the run. <laughs> no big deal. Just all reins on yeah. one side. We only have a one one rain stop here. <laughs> yeah. If any horse that happened on, I'm glad it happened on him. Not really. Like, a lot of people think, you see, well, he is hard to ride, but um, he's gotten way easier, and I trust him so much, so I'm glad it happened on him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Worth, and that's always nerve-wracking anyways, but yet, let alone on a younger horse, too. Yeah. But he's been super fun, and he actually found his new owner today. So it's a set. That's a little little bittersweet, I bet, for you then. So is he going to be staying with you, or is he going to his new home? No, he went to his new home. It was very, very sad, but very good because she rode him really well, and they're going to do big things. So Yeah, and that's the other part of being a – any – in just the horse industry in general, especially as much as you have horses coming and going, is you develop a bond with that horse, and it's hard to let go. Yeah, I'm terrible, too. Um, I've always gotten too attached, and I used to cry when every horse left. It doesn't matter if I had it for 30 days or... Because usually I got them and, like, did not remarkable things with them, but, I mean, huge steps from when they got to me and then when they leave so Mm -hmm. you you there's no way you can't bond with these horses and i mean it used to be terrible and then it just got to where i would only bond with the ones that you know i just really had a connection with and we did really well and won on and that kind of stuff or that i trained from the ground up or something like that Mm -hmm. and now it's just you know i still get upset but i don't ball and squall as much but he all my did. <laughs> He's a little different. He he was my buddy. Yeah, so. well, especially if, like you said, when you get probably whenever you get a cutting bread or even just a cutting style horse, you kind of feel oh like oh this is a little bit at home. Yeah, for sure, because he warms up amazing, and I tried not to stop him a lot because he's so rady at the barrels anyway. So I never stopped him, but. If I did, I was like, oh, my God, that feels so good. <laughs> yeah. I have a mare that's cutting bread on the top and the bottom side. 
And same thing, you know, I have never stopped her at the barrels. Sometimes we have to go two strides past the barrel and then turn around because she's right. so ratty. Right. And that was actually took, um, I did a Ron Rawls clinic. If you've ever had a chance to ride with Ron Rawls, again, world's greatest horseman, I, literally the world's greatest horseman. Um, yeah. And that was one thing that he told me with her. He's like, oh, she is the nicest little mare. And I'm like, well, she could be for sale. You know, nothing's ever for sale, but it is. And right. that's what he said. He said, with these cutting horses, you have to drive them up and around. Think big because they will stop so hard and so fast every yeah. chance they get. They just, like, come in through their self. It's so weird. It's the craziest feeling. Like, you're literally going this direction and then before you can even pathway blink you're going the other direction yeah like if you even think right. it it's already done yeah 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 um really quick i want to go backwards and we were talking about getting emotional and you were talking about famous lemon drop and then we can't have a proper interview without talking about <laughs> the legendary lemon drop and i know you called her barbie so i want you well first of all i want to tell you the story that i have about it so my one of my very first trips to the BBR World Finals, I had never actually watched a Futurity in person. I live in central Illinois, which is not horse country. <laughs> I can tell you, like, we have Futurity side pots, but there's not an actual, like, Futurity that we have here. Anyways, I'm at BBR World Finals, and we were in, I think, barn nine. So the Futurity happens right next to us, and it was yeah. just getting ready to get started, and I had to run back to the trailer, which is like 10 miles away, came back. I'm exhausted. And I'm like, the maturity started. So I hurry up and I go down there and they're like, draw number such and such, Dakota Monk and famous lemon drop. And you come <laughs> flying in and I was in awe. And I think that my, I don't remember if you won or got, you got a, you got a really good time. I can't yeah. remember what you got, but <laughs> the fact that I just happened to see it. And then the fact that she went on and went with Stevie and then went to NFR, like I kind of felt like I watched her career unfold right in yeah. front of me. It was such a cool feeling just to see her. And then I later on had kind of watched you warm her up the next day because it went in reverse order. So I'm a stalker and I <laughs> and I've I've I'm friends with Joy Wargo. And so she told me, like, kind of go watch how they warm these horses up. So I went back there and I secretly watched you from the fence just for like a minute or two. I promise I didn't stalk you, <laughs> but <laughs> but I wanted to watch. And you were just like all calm, calm, collected, just walking around, chatting with everybody because, you know, all the fraternity horse trainers know each other. And it was yeah. just really cool. So she was just the most chill horse. She did not act her age at all. She was. She, that was one of my most favorite fraternities, I guess, on her run-wise. But, um... Mm -hmm. She always, from day one, she knew she was a star. And at the shows, like, yeah, she was probably walking all nice because mm -hmm. she did walk fine. But any time that I got out of a walk, we did a lot of long trotting to warm up because she just was better that way. Yeah, <laughs> um, just keep their feet moving. Yeah, and um, she loved, like, she could long trot so fast I could barely keep up with her. Like, everything that people thought about her how amazing she was she really was that and the feeling that she gave you was just nothing compared to it like duty ray gives me chill bumps you know running him sometimes the gray mare has and then they've gave me a lot of cool runs but there's just no comparison to barbie and how just her heart was just was just huge like i mean she would literally run on probably three legs if she only had three legs mm -hmm. and like there's those are those horses are just so hard to find and she knew that if she went by a barrel or she tripped or slipped that she had to make it up and i didn't ask her to make it up like she was like well i'm not going to win doing that so she would just hit four other gears or turn this next barrel as hard as she could and tight as she could and make it up and still do it. I'm like, how did you just do that? <laughs> yeah. Like you didn't have to kick. You didn't have to whip. You did, I mean, she, she just did it cause she knew she had to, it, it, she had it internally. She had it. Yeah. And the only thing that she would like that I would, that I learned with her. Cause at the beginning when she wasn't as aggressive uh, about her job, 
you know, she'd smoke her first barrel. And then we went through a little spell. She also got a little sore on me too. So, you know, that kind of played into a role and she slipped and that's kind of what started. It was like a snowball effect, but um, she also got really confident and knew that, you know, she had to go in there and be fast and turn hard. So would get not worked up in the alley by any means. She would just, you know, was wanting to go and do her job. So mm-hmm. I finally figured out if I would just let her stop, like it wasn't easy, but if I could just get her to stop and keep her feet on the ground for two seconds before she took off, she would smoke that first barrel every time. It was crazy. Like, she would still be slinging her head, wanting me to let her go, but she would plant her front feet on the ground and not move for, like, a blink of an eye. And as soon as I let her go, she'd go right to her spot and nail it every time. That gave me goosebumps. I I could just just see her flicking that head, feet planted on the ground, yeah. (laughs) It was so funny. Like, most horses, I wouldn't let them do that because, you know, that's kind of a not necessarily a disrespectful thing but you know you feel like you don't have control when they do that but with her it wasn't it wasn't necessarily oh let me go i'm gonna you know run off it was let me go we gotta win we can't win sitting here in the alleyway (laughs) (laughs) she's like i'm not being naughty i'm just this is just my thing but i feel like i had all the control in the world when she was doing that like most of the time when a horse is sitting there slinging their head like that they're like throwing you forward or she did it so easy and light. Like, she never pulled on my hands and she did it. It was so weird. Yeah. But, and another thing, like, I trained her, you know, pretty much once we started going pretty fast in the same bit and then finished in the same bit. And that's like, I mean, for me, anyways, it's pretty unheard of. Uh, and she never got different in that, in that bit. Like, she never got pushy in it. Um, and it's so weird. I've never been able to run another horse in that bit. It still hangs in my trailer on her mm-hmm. head stall. Mm-hmm. And I've tried it a couple times and it's just, it's a really light bit with a rope curb chain. And that's usually, I have more bit on these horses because I don't like to pull and I like to feel like I have control as soon as I make a move. And if you have an O-ring or something light in there, you kind of have to do a little bit more more micromanage i guess yeah and with her it wasn't it was just you know she probably could have ran an o-ring but i didn't want to try it (laughs) i don't blame you if if it ain't broke don't fix it yeah yeah but she was the most amazing horse i've ever rode my life and probably i hope that there's another one maybe her babies that's what i'm waiting on (laughs) yeah well and i did I read that she has at least one baby on the ground now? Is that right? Yes, yeah, she has one uh, by Amahas uh-huh. uh, on the ground. She's uh, coming yearling, or coming too, actually. Cool. And, and she has an epic in the oven. Ooh. Uh, yeah. And then she has, uh, I know she has one Trace Ace uh, and there might be a few others, but we're not, you know, 100% sure on those yet. Sure. So often people ask me, but I want to ask you, so how do you know if you have a winner? And I hate it when people ask that question, but I know you don't know until you really like put them against the clock in competition. But when you get on a horse for the first few rides, what's something that you're looking for in the horse? Um, it's, it is really hard as far as maturity horses, but also open horses. It's for me, it's when you show them something, rather they're an open horse that was a two or 3d horse when I got them and I turned them into a winner or they were a maturity horse and I'm training them all throughout the year. It's when, in my opinion and how I feel about it, it's when I ask them for something and I normally don't have to necessarily go back to that or they just pick up right on it and just take off with it. Mm-hmm. Um, they just have this different demeanor about themselves. Um, like when you do show them and they do it, it's like they get super excited about it and they feed off of it. And so they just keep feeding off of it. So the next time you go through the barrels or whatever, um, they just get that much stronger, that much more uh, confident about it, and they just keep on more without you even asking them. Um, and that's 
kind of how I gauge it, I guess. I don't know. Um, I mean, also other ones that's been late bloomers. And I was like, you know, they're nice, but, you know, I'm just going to keep trying. Because I knew there was something little in there. I didn't know it was actually as much as it was. But, like, the, you know, for example, like, look, like some pixie dust, like, I knew she had talent. And she always tried hard for me, but I didn't know that she was going to be as much as, as much as she has been. Um, Not that she's ever blown the doors down, but she's always right there with them. And she clocks really well with mistakes. And I really think she's going to be an amazing open horse later or derby rodeo horse. But she has that attitude though. Like, the attitude's there, the heart's there, the mm-hmm. tries. And those, I think that's what sets them apart. A winner is just the heart and then the try. Because uh, there's plenty of talent, talented horses that I've rode and that have done well or done decent, but they don't, they just don't have that. They don't love the job or they don't have that much grit. Like they can stump their toe and they're crippled for three days. And, you know, the other ones, they could stump their toe and be literally trying to blow an abscess, can't even walk, and they're trying to run the barrels. But I hope that answered your yeah. question. I, yeah, I no, it did. <laughs> yeah, I had I had a good conversation with Charmaine James, and she would talk about, you know, that scamper could be, you know, th- three-legged lame, and the minute you put him on the trailer, he's ready to go. You know, right. not that she ever rode him through like a lamb. I'm not saying that, right. but meaning that he had the heart and the drive. He wanted to do it so bad, and that's he he couldn't be outrun. Yeah. So when they have the desire and the want to do it, some of the even if they're not the fastest in the world, sometimes they can they can outrun most of the horses there because they have the, they have the desire to do it and they have the no. heart and the ambition. So. Well, I mean. Uh... The BS Born to Cash is pretty much a perfect example of that. The gray mare in 2021, like, I wouldn't say that she's the fastest horse I've ever ran, but that witch will hang a leg on the ground and grunt to try to turn as hard as she possibly can and get out of the ground as fast as she can. Mm-hmm. And won a bunch of money doing that. And she will still to this day, like San Antonio, she won the Derby the second go. When her mind is made up that she's going in another win it, she's winning it. And there's no stopping her. Yeah. And she just has that grit and hard try. Uh, she just gets a little bit timid sometimes and doesn't always give it, but I don't really necessarily think she's being ugly about it. She's she's always been like that from day one. Like if she's just not confident that day, she just doesn't fire as hard and she doesn't, you know, do her job, but she always does her job, but she just doesn't win. Mm-hmm. But when she's on, like, I have to make sure I'm on because she'll sling me off or I need to lift a leg because she's going to be turning a barrel tight. Yeah. So you think as she gets older, that will be more consistent? That'll even out? Oh, no, no doubt. And she was more consistent, actually. Her maturity year, um, I mean, she won a few maturities and she won the blue collar deal. Like, she won a, a ton of money. Uh, at the end of the year, she always went in there and did her job. But when I sold her, I, I mean, people talk about it and we joke about it, but it's true and it's happened with her. I really think that she was mad that I sold her because we owned her yeah. and we couldn't turn down the offer that we got on her. And they took her home and they're the best owners I could ever pick for this mayor as far as their facility and how jordan rides and uh how they take care of their horses but and they loved her to death but i really do think that she you know mourned us i guess because she just didn't miss there was no falling apart by any means she just lost all her confidence and quit trying so Mm -hmm. they sent her back to me um without me even saying anything so it was great that they you know they take care of their horses and do the right thing and taken me you know a while but she's hit and missed and then I really think I have her at a really good spot now she's everywhere I take her she clocks and um, I did have to switch her back right 
just to try to change things up because I just couldn't get her to untrack from not necessarily wanting to try so hard. She just picked up some bad things and she decided that was easier to do that than to do it the old way because the old way was same run every time when a hack them more <laughs> and it was so weird but mm-hmm. um I, we figured a bunch of stuff out on her too and she's been really happy and doing really well um well let's get into talking training just a little bit so i know that you worked with cutting the cutting industry for quite a few years so what are just a few things that you have learned from the cutting industry that you've applied to the barrel industry that you train on your horses now i mean horsemanship is a huge thing to me and to cutting and then it was with my mother um you know we did and we did books like studying books i don't know if they i mean i don't even remember the website but they would send us little things and you know as far as the anatomy of a horse and the saddle and the tack and you know what all the names are for everything and i just think that really adds up to horsemanship and then when I went to the cutting, it just even more horsemanship and how a horse is supposed to uh, naturally move and how you get them to be natural. And then another thing is um, in the cutting, you have to lift your legs off of them, uh, most of them, um, to get them to kind of be free in their rib cage and really fold and turn and stay on their hip and move their shoulders around and stay out of their way because they have that cow to do their job and what, and it's just natural form and they love it. And so I feel like I just tried to apply that to going around the barrel to trying to stay out of their way. Um, you know, don't put any leg pressure on them or uh, squeeze in my thighs or anything like that. Um, and then not a whole lot of hand movement because I, every time you move them away from their job or move them a certain way, you're messing with their balance. They know that they're supposed to run up there and turn that barrel to that direction. And if we could get them to do it on their own, it would be flawless. Like, so if we can just try to stay out of their way as much as we can, it's just so much easier for them that way. Uh, you know, if we start balancing on them or trying to micromanage everything, they're going to balance on us. And so that just makes them heavy in my opinion. I don't know. I just don't like the feel of them pushing on me or pulling on me. And so I just try to train them to do it themselves. So I don't have to do very much. I mean, a lot of times it might look like I'm doing a lot, maybe like leg lifting and stuff, but it's because, you know, it's not always a great thing that I put that much turn into them. But I feel like I perform better if I'm just having to leg lift or push them a little harder around the barrel rather than pulling or pulling them away from the barrel to not hit it or like it just doesn't clock that fast in my opinion mm-hmm. and I feel like I can throw a kid on most of my horses and they can kids for some reason free up any horse that you could ever think like oh they'll never run past the barrel you put a kid on them and those kids will send them down the fence like yeah. And they don't, I guess it's just their energy and they have no fear. And so the horses just run. And so I, that's, I think that's why kids and girls ride good behind me because I just put so much churn and grit into the horses that when they get on them, they free them up just a little bit and it's just perfect. Uh, so they just go in there and it's super easy for them. My theory, theory, theory anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching an interview that you did for the pink buckle and you were talking about opening up the horse's shoulders to get them back on their hips. And, and which it was one of the best interviews that I have seen in a while. And because you elaborated so well on it. So I want you to want to kind of relive that interview a little bit. I just want you to elaborate on how you work a horse to do that because I could not agree more that 
I see a lot of heavy front-ended horses in the pen, and that does not typically make for a fast barrel racing horse. And that's what I kind of, I've kind of took away from the cutting is, you know, everybody thinks that a cutting horse is on their on their ass, and they really are. But if you really watch a cutting horse, they have a lot of shoulder movement and a lot of pulling with their front end oh, to yeah. get out of the ground to pull their ass out of the ground and come across. And so we are constantly teaching them when we're working on the cutting horses to pull with their shoulders or pull with that. So if you're turning left, you want them to take that left front leg as far out to the side as they can and grab the ground and pull their shoulder to that leg. And so I try to teach the horses, you just have to... Uh, one thing, you just have to give them plenty of room when you're slow working on, like a lot of people want to take them past their leg and then ask them to turn a barrel. Well, if they turn the barrel at your leg, they would have to hit it. So they normally either hit it or they pull their hip out, throw their hip out to the side and they're just slinging their ass and they're planing their front feet. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I just try to work my horses like all the way past their hip and make them really come across kind of like a rollover. Not really, but kind of. Uh, it's a lot of forward motion when I take that rollover to the side. And I kind of break down the barrel that way. Uh, another drill that I do is a figure eight drill at the barrel. So uh, say just I think the easiest barrel would be the first barrel to explain over the phone. But uh you turn the first barrel and go towards your third barrel and you turn uh, to the left in a left circle, like a figure eight, mm-hmm. and you go back spot and then you turn the barrel again and you do that a couple times. And for some reason that really makes them loosen up their shoulders and kind of pull across and uh, then they're kind of automatically on their hip. You just got to always make sure that one, you go back to your spots and two, you're giving them enough room to come across that barrel. So if you are going to ask them to turn the first barrel and your horse is facing the timer, but you want them to go to the third barrel to make that figure eight, they're going to kick their hip out. So you have to go towards the timer, half a step, go towards your second barrel, half a step, or maybe in a full step, and then go towards the third barrel. And that's mm-hmm. going to make them have them plenty of room to kind of snap back and to go towards the third barrel and pull with their shoulder. Um, and you just, you can do it really sloppy too at the beginning, like just trot, never try to do a bunch of form to it. Uh, and it actually will, the horse will actually pick up on it pretty easy, mm-hmm. but like, and add a little bit more finesse to it and form to it. Um, and I think I have some videos out there of me doing that. But I don't remember. Um, but it's kind of hard to explain over the phone, more so just watching. Oh, yeah. uh, but uh, that's the main thing was is the figure eight drill that really helps me get the horses freed up. Like I'll get less than horses in or uh, open horses. I'm just tuned in and I can get them to really uh, unlock their shoulders really fast doing it that way. Um, Another thing is that breaking down the barrel, so you like would walk up to the first barrel, go all the way past the horse's hip, and then roll it over its hocks towards the timer, and then trot up past your the barrel to the horse's hip, and then you'll ask it to roll over its hocks and go towards the first the second barrel, mm-hmm. and it's kind of breaking it down to a square. But you're trying to get that horse. It's not necessarily you don't shove the shoulder across with the outside rein. You uh, more inside rein and rolling over the hawk and coming across with that inside, so right front foot mm-hmm. cross and forward at the same time. You have to do forward at the same time because if you don't do forward at the same time, they'll kick their hip out. Yeah. And a lot of times that'll help you kind of unlock those shoulders as well. But... I just feel like it's easier for them, like cutting horses, they're pretty much, when they're making certain moves, they're pretty level. Uh, They're not just on their hip. A lot of people think they are, but they're not. Um, They're super 
level and they've kind of raised up just a little bit off their front end and their front end is what's actually moving them their hip is in the ground what they didn't move their front end and pull and grab with their front end they would never move at all or they would jump out of the turn or and jump towards the cow to make that turn and we don't like that we want them to stay rocked back a little bit Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of what i tried to uh bring over to the my barrel racing training and it seems to work for everybody it's hard to always try to make them get on their hip and they usually like if you're always stopping them another thing i like to do anytime i'm warming up or slow working I never, you'll never see me stop a horse at a lope unless they're just being terrible or something. But I like to, if I'm loping a circle, I like to bridle them up and make them bump down to a trot and then bridle up, maybe reverse arc, whatever. And then I'll stop them that way. Cause if you watch most kids or anybody stop a horse at a lope, they eventually start dumping on their front end. Mm hmm. They're barrel horses. Even cutting horses do it. But uh, they're not meant to be loping and then come to a complete, full, hard stop. And so what all you're teaching them to do, even sometimes even if they stop really hard or really fast, they're still dumping on their front end and they're pulling the reins forward. Well, and I don't ever want them to do that to me because if I'm running, I mean, why would they not do it in a run if you're letting them do it in the warrant pen? Uh at a low, right? You want them to run to that barrel. And when you bring your hand back or across to start the turn, whatever cue you use, you want them to melt back to you or melt towards the barrel. Well, if you teach them at a low, warming up, that, that it's okay to dump on their front end or pull on your hand when you stop, what do you think they're going to do in a run? They're going to run to that barrel and you grab them and they're going to push against you, pull your hand forward you're going to lean forward and then they're on their front end and then mm-hmm. they're just going to flip their ass around mm-hmm. and so that's just a huge thing with me like anybody that rides my horses or uh, i'm like do not stop my horses in a lope yeah. <laughs> terrible feeling to be loping around and like i'll get on plenty of horses that are really broke and i'll be loping around warming up for the kid or whoever i'm riding it for and i'll trying to just bump it down to a trot and it'll just like jump on the front end and rope uh nose down towards the ground and pull me forward and i'm like oh that's so disgusting <laughs> teach them to bump down to a trot they love it like it's so much easier for them and they'll be loping around and as soon as they feel you like i'm fixing to start slowing down they'll just bump down to a trot bridle mm-hmm. up and then stop and back up and mm-hmm. it's just so much easier it's easier on their hawks too yeah <laughs> yeah which aren't we all trying to save hawks and injections all right. the time right i just saved you a thousand dollars in supplements there we go <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> all right so the, i want to transition try to wrap some things up here so i have three listener questions the first one is from instagram the girl says i have a really young colt that doesn't collect very well at the barrel what exercise would you suggest off the pattern that will help him learn to collect himself well, I think what we just touched on uh, would really help that horse. Um, like as far as getting him to collect or learning how to collect first, I like to fit uh, him up with a smooth, fat O-ring, um, just like under their legs and around the seat of your saddle, and tie split reins, mm-hmm. like leather foots, pretty loose, and just walk and trot them that way. Um, and to teach them to, that's what you're wanting. You just have to make sure it's a smooth O-ring and then leather reins in case you get in a bind, they can break. Mm-hmm. But you go the legs, the, uh, like where the breast collar flips back to the girt mm-hmm. and one goes on the right side and one goes on the left side and you come over the saddle and tie it off in a knot on the top, over the, over their back, over the saddle seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and trot them and walk them that way. Um, that's how we, you know, I get an open horse that doesn't know how to bridle up. That's the first thing I do because it's just so much easier than fighting with them on their back. Um, 
And then once I get them to understand that's what I was wanting uh, as far as bridling up, a lot of trotting, it's kind of hard unless they're super broke to be loping around and get them to bridle up. So I like to do a lot of walking and trotting and making them bridle up into the bridle. But again, I just really think that transitioning down, like if you're walk, if you're trotting, bump down to a walk to stop. And if you're loping, bump down to a trot, bridle up, stop. And that's going to help you a lot and get that horse softer and keep it bridled up instead of dumping and pulling on your hands. All right. Question number two is also from Instagram. She says, my horse tends to be lazy. What's the best way to get your horse to get snappy on the backside of the barrel? That figure eight drill actually does serve another purpose besides moving the shoulders. It really does make them snappy and kind of quick up, quicken up their feet. Um, I do that for that as well. The pole drill that I do on the horses um, is really good for lazy and trying to speed up a lazy horse um you can do the actual pole pattern uh you lope down there turn the end pole uh and i'm not really doing i'm not letting them lean on me or actually just loping through the poles um at each pole at each pole like i'm turning the first pole loping around two times come in the middle and then go towards the fence pick up that next lead and then lope around the next pole two times uh, and not do that all the way down and then all the way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of hard to explain it with the phone, but uh, just working on the poles helps that as well. Uh, if he's just lazy, like not wanting to go, I like to cruise him through like not necessarily a full breeze, but out in the pasture somewhere that's safe. I like to do that a couple times. Um, maybe even set your barrels up outside somewhere and obviously not go very fast because grass might be slick, but um, it tends to kind of free them up a little bit to just get them loping outside. And But usually that figure eight drill usually does it pretty well for them on the backside to kind of speeding up their feet work. All right, last question uh, comes from Facebook. What are one or two things that you will not travel without? Oh, um, all my bits. <laughs> uh, We're all bit hoarders. If you're a barrel racer, you yeah. got you. You know you're yeah. a bit hoarder, yeah. Um, and probably, um, for sure, like fans, and we keep everything in the trailer. So, mm-hmm. like anything you can think of, from lots, plug-in lots to to extra blankets or coolers, because I love hauling horses with coolers in the winter because. It's so hard to gauge sheet, blanket, slinky, uh, windows up, windows down. Yeah. So I like to haul with coolers, and I'll usually just drop butt windows, and depending on how cold it is. And that way, if they get too hot in the trailer, the coolers keep on from getting too hot. And then if they start getting chilly, it, you know, they're kind of warm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just easier to gauge it that way and they don't sweat under the coolers yeah I feel like that's kind of a cutting horse thing I when I first got into horses a bazillion years ago I was with cutters and they did the same thing everything was with coolers and so therefore I have coolers and now that I I do more barrel I'm all barrel racing I still use them occasionally don't use them as often but yeah I feel like it's kind of a cutting horse thing which it they're great to have I've used them I've been places a couple times and it's been cool and I'm like crap I don't have my blanket throw a cooler on works great yeah yeah yep. it's, it's a <laughs> and then it's really and then you still have them for when it, if it's really cold or whatever you unsaddle and it's too cold to rinse off you can just throw a cooler on them and you're good to go yeah All right, so one more question that I always ask people that I have on the podcast, and you can answer this however you want. Um, I know there's a lot of great things about our industry, but there's also a lot of bad things about our industry that people would like to change. So my question to you is, what is something that you would like to see change in the barrel horse industry? I think we're kind of changing it uh, in a way, but I don't think it's quite as uh serious as it needs to be or um maybe it gets overlooked but the smart people do it i just feel like 
you need to intern under trainers for a couple of years, maybe even longer, before you decide you want to be a trainer. And not because you're not a good rider or you're not a good trainer as is. It's just, I wish I would have, like I obviously did in the cutting, but I didn't go from the cutting to a barrel trainer. I mean, my mom kind of was, but I didn't, and I wish I would have. I think it speeds you up about 10 years, in my opinion. Even if you just worked for a barrel trainer for two years, I think it speeds your learning, um, your connections to clients, or uh, just, I mean, there's so much to learn, and people don't understand, like, just the breeding, the type of horses you like. Well, you're not going to get to ride those type of horses working for yourself. Mm -hmm. So don't, it's not necessarily like I'm pretty open on uh, breedings. There's probably only two kind of breedings I really don't care for and probably will never ride again. But I pretty much get along with uh, every type of horse or breeding or whatever. But uh, there's a lot of people that only like a certain top horse or breeding or whatever and you're not gonna figure that out well you are but it's gonna take you forever yeah and and uh as far as the surety world goes like there's so many rules there's so many um different things to learn on when to get the horse ready to go and like it just would have been so nice to work for a barrel trainer futurity horse trainer and then go out on my own and i think that gets overlooked a lot and horsemanship obviously gets overlooked a lot like even if you ride well like ron ross and you know people that are great horsemanship they don't even have to be maturity or barrel people you need to go ride with them work with them for a while and there's just steps and i think people skip a lot of steps and then we regret it later it just pays off in the end for sure yeah, you can never learn too much, ever. No, at all. I I'm agree. still learning. <laughs> Aren't we all? Cool. All right, really quick, last thing I promise. Um, I, I didn't tell you about this, but I have 10 rapid-fire questions, and I'll try to make them quick. Right. I typically try to make them rapid-fire. They're not typically very quickly, but I will do my damnedest to make them quick. Okay, are you ready? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> all right, here we go. Number one, what's your favorite food? Food, chocolate. Food chocolate oh, i knew we were besties <laughs> two i know you have a lot of animals but favorite animal besides horses oh my gosh i know you have a zoo at your house yeah i love my goat <laughs> so you That's... say goat yeah yeah goats are pretty cool is it a feigning goat no he's oh. uh, a nubian pain in the butt goat it's <laughs> great but he's so and he's sweet oh good uh, three, favorite futurity. Because of uh, Famous Lemon Drop, it's BBR Barn A. Mm, I love that. Uh, okay, four, who is your favorite futurity writer? Oh, my God. <laughs> There's a lot who I want to be like, and probably, no, I'm going to be like her one day. <laughs> Because if you speak it, it'll happen. Cassie Mallory. Oh, yes. I was just really hoping you were going to say that she's 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 the goat. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Okay. Stars. Five. What's a nickname that your parents used to call you? Uh, Coda. Six. On a scale from one to ten, how good are you at pole bending? On a decent horse and a really good horse, probably an eight or a nine. Oh, I love it. Nice. Seven, can you speak any languages other than English? God, no. <laughs> Eight, what's your favorite childhood TV show? Oh, my. Uh, the Lion King. Oh, good one. On a scale from one to ten, how good of a driver are you? Um, I mean, I think I'm a ten, but some other people would probably say I'm a seven. <laughs> I feel like that could be a meme. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ten, if you weren't a horse trainer, what would you be? Uh, for sure, a veterinarian. Oh, good. I could totally see that. Would you be a small animal vet or a large animal vet? Um, I would either go for exotic or I would be horse. Oh, perfect. You could be like Dr. Pole. You could be doc Dr. Dakota. Yeah. 
Well, Dakota, I cannot thank you enough for taking all of the time that you've taken today with us to share everything. It's been so fun. I cannot wait to get to watch you, see you run again in person and cheer for you. I just admire you so much and I wish you nothing but the best. It's been great. Thank you so much. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, tell us where we can find you on social media. Um, so I have Facebook, uh, Dakota Ray Mock, and then I have Instagram. It's either Diamond DM Performance Forces or Dakota Mock. And then TikTok is Diamond DM Performance Forces. Be sure to follow Dakota on social media. I swear he has the coolest barrel racing pictures. On the other hand, my pictures from barrel races, we won't even talk about my face in 85% of them, but Dakota always looks amazing. You can also find The Barrel Horse Life on Instagram and Facebook at The Barrel Horse Life. I'm also now on TikTok at The Barrel Horse Life, where I'm posting some behind the scenes content and store merch. Visit the website at www.thebarrelhorselife.store. This episode of the Barrel Horse Life podcast was produced, researched, and mixed by me, Amy Davenport. And I thank you so much for listening. This is just the start of one hell of a great lineup of guests in this season. Be sure to subscribe and follow so you don't miss out. And as always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you down the road.